Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to FBC Gather Online. My name is Sue Rinaldi, and I'm the worship pastor here and also an elder. And it's my privilege to lead us through part five of our Exploring Church Foundations series. And I hope you've been enjoying it. I hope it's been uh, not only informative, but also it's kind of provoked you maybe to go and uh, read Scattered Servants, the book, or maybe just to think a little bit more about the foundations of church. Anyway, I wanted to kick off this morning with that video, uh, inspiring words. It said more in one and a half minutes than, than I could ever do, and I thought that was a really good place to start. But I also wanted to just repeat the closing words of the video. So let me read those words. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week. The church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go, hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now because you are the church. Now go and be the church. Now hearing those words about church inspires me. It makes me feel enthusiastic, free, excited, creative. It opens up a whole world of possibility and potential where church is a verb and not simply a noun, where church is fluid and not fixed, where church is alert and responsive and redeeming, where the church is not an address or a postcode, but the church is us, you and me. And it very much uh, says something like, we don't go to church, although I know we go sometimes to a certain place, but, but we are the church. <laughs> now, I also know that hearing the word church has slightly other feelings. Feelings that border more on perhaps frustration or annoyance. To the point of people disengaging from church yet not necessarily disengaging from God or Christianity or spirituality. And there's been a lot of people who've been saying, I love Christianity, but I detest churchianity. And there have been books and there will be books and there's talks and there's all kinds of things written on this. The fact that people have disengaged from church because of the obstacles of church, because of the... Uh, the nature of church, but they haven't disengaged from God. Now, <clears throat> this morning, I, I don't want to concentrate too much on the negative. I want to concentrate on the positive of who we are as church and how we organize ourselves. But perhaps churchianity is where church becomes more of an immovable monument rather than a vibrant body. Maybe it's where it becomes more of a hierarchical corporation than a community. Maybe it's where it becomes more of a, a company than a family. Maybe churchianity is where it becomes more like a spectator sport rather than a place of mutual participation. Those terms, priesthood of all believers, body of Christ, so, so maybe it's those things that people have disengaged from. 
But as I say, I don't want to concentrate too much on uh, the churchianity side. What I want to concentrate on is who are we as church? How do we organize ourselves? And how does that organizing of church release life? And before I move on, I just want to read um, a quote from Francis Chan from his book, Letters to the Church. And uh, let me read out this great quote. There is no greater honor on earth than to be part of God's church. When was the last time you were awestruck by the fact that you are part of Christ's body? Have you ever marveled at the privilege? And maybe this series has, has done that. Maybe it's just enlightened us. Maybe it's just prompted us just a little bit more to become absolutely enraptured and marveled that we are the body of Christ. Now let me jump into a few paragraphs from Acts. And uh, the first one is from Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now this comes after Peter had delivered a message, and the response was phenomenal. Over 3,000 repented and believed. And the followers start meeting together, and those verses describe the kind of activities of the early church. It was about sharing, it was about family, it was about having things in common. There was just something fluid, and, and it almost sounds very spontaneous, that suddenly this was happening, and God was moving. And then we see that the growth in numbers caused a few administrative problems. So a new group of people become uh, appointed to oversee the material needs of the church. And let me read from Acts 6, verses 1 to 5. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. So without going into too much detail, because our time doesn't allow for that this morning, they created a structure to help organize their activities. As simple as that. And we read that many were added to their numbers. They needed to do something. God was breaking out. The spirit was breaking out. Things were happening. And so they then had to think, right, how, how can we actually organize this? Not only that, but, but how can others take responsibility? How can we just share this together? And we see that the structure was liberating. It was actually not restrictive because 
more people were added. So things continued. There was a momentum that was built, and this organizational structure was there to help it. Now, generally speaking, everything needs some sort of organization. Everything needs some sort of organizing principles in order to support and achieve the agreed values and goals. Now, even when we read Genesis' account of creation, we see that even though the earth was formless and void, and as we read it, it sounds like this amazing thing, this kind of cataclysm of, of chaos, but then creation, and then form, and then matter, and then life, and then plants. But actually, when we read it, we see that out of everything, there was form. Out of everything, there was like this sequential organization that as God created, there was structure and order and organizing principles that came out of everything. So we know that actually to organize is very good. And we know in church that for a lot of our activities and all the things that we are, we need some kind of organization. Now, I remember going back many years when um, I was in a secondary school in uh, Southampton, and I was, I don't know, an early teenager, and a Youth for Christ team came into my school, and uh, a lot of my friends became Christians. Now, I was absolutely unchurched. I didn't know anything about God. The whole thing freaked me out. It was like, what is this message? And, and I found it really hard, actually, to trust I'd found that anywhere in my life. It was hard to know who to trust or, or what to trust. And when they came in with their message, I was very cynical, very, um, very resistant. But actually, my friends, they started to say yes to Jesus, and I could see the change in their life. And I got dragged in, I would say. <laughs> At that time, it felt like it. And uh, because they knew I could kind of sing and play the guitar, they asked me to lead their praise choruses. And so I did that. And so in many respects, I belonged before I believed. And then after about a year or so, I said yes to Jesus. And that was just a real, whew, a real dynamic change for me to actually trust someone, to trust Jesus, to trust the love of God. And then this, this group of unchurched young people became like a youth fellowship and it was like, even in those days, it, there wasn't even the term youth church. And probably that's what you would call it now, a youth church. But for us, we were just a youth fellowship meeting in this grubby hall that was attached to a Baptist church that we didn't belong to. And so even in our infancy, we knew that we needed to have some kind of structure. And so how we did it was this. We, we just sat down, all of us in this hall, and said, right, who wants to uh, oversee prayer? And we knew that Simon loved praying. So it was like, Simon, it just seems obvious that you oversee prayer. And then it was like, well, who's going to oversee the Bible studies? <laughs> and it was like, well, you know, who's actually got their own Bible? That, that would be a good start. And so Kevin, who had his own Bible, oversaw the Bible studies. And then it was like, right, so who's going to, um, you know, lead our, our singing and our, our praise choruses? And because I'd already been doing it, um, you know, I, I carried on in that role. But that's how we sat, and we kind of just distributed <laughs> all the things that were happening amongst us to one another. Now, why I'm saying this and going down all those years ago to, to probably one of the most dynamic times in my life, I must be honest, um, 
Even in our infancy, we knew that we needed some kind of structure, some kind of organizing principles to support, enhance, and develop the life amongst us. We organized ourselves because of that, not because we wanted to kill life and put obstacles in the way and slow everything down, but we put organization amongst us because we wanted to support what God was doing amongst us. And that, I believe, is the, the gold, the potential of structure, of church structures, organizations within church, never meant to slow us down, but it's meant to enhance life, support life. Apparently, there are 41,000 different Christian denominations, according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. These figures relate to an April 2020 study. The top three are Catholicism, Protestantism, and Eastern Orthodoxy. 41,000 different Christian denominations. Now, the amount of difference in those 41,000 Christian denomination in terms of how they structure themselves, their leadership styles, um, how often they change their leadership styles, uh, the rigidity or the fluidity, the amount of difference in how churches organize themselves probably are phenomenal, probably mind-blowing, all the different models that we have in front of us. And some church structures remain... Um, you know, for a season, some change, some are more fluid, some are more rigid. But is there a tipping point where a church structure or the way it organizes itself begins to stunt life and spiritual growth? Is there a tipping point where the very organization of church, which is there to enhance life, begins to restrict life, begins to slow it down, begins to take the breath out of the life? Is there a tipping point where organization of church slays or starves or kills life within the body? Well, the obvious answer is yes. <laughs> of course there's a tipping point. But I don't want to finish this morning on that negative. I want to finish on the positive. What is the mission of church? And I'm going to name four things. Love. The love of God lived out through us. Love for one another, a love that is sincere, a love that is without prejudice, a love that conquers all. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 Corinthians 13, if I do not have love, I am a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. Actually, one of the main missions of our church, of church, is love. Second, a mission is to get the message out. And Nathan touched on this last week. Church being a herald, church being messengers. That actually we are here, we exist. God has this amazing plan for us so that we can talk about God. We can get the message out. We can live the message. We can be the message in our communities and further afield. The other aspect of church is we see this in Acts. We've already read it this morning. Church is a gathering of people, whether that's in twos or threes, whether it's online via Zoom or Facebook or YouTube, whether it's in a building, whether it's in numbers of 3,000 or more. There's so many different ways 
but we are a gathering of people because something happens when we gather together. And one of the pain points, perhaps, of the COVID pandemic has been that we've not been able to gather together. And that's been really hard. But actually, the reverse is also true. It's actually caused us to find new ways of fellowship, to explore what true fellowship is in other ways. And maybe we'll come out of this pandemic just having a greater love of being together, that it's not just a, a date in our diary or we just do this every week, but I want to gather with the people of God because something happens. And then finally, the fourth, this isn't the only one, these are just four this morning, is church is about equipping and training. It's about discipleship. It's about us becoming more like Christ. It's about us being equipped to be the resource to God that God wants us to be so that we can then be a resource to our communities and to our nations and to our workplace and to our family. We're here to be equipped. We're here to be trained. We're here to be discipled. We're here to disciple others. So those four things, very briefly I've touched on, love, get the message out, a gathering of people, church is an equipping and a place of training. In order to really reach the full potential of that, we need some sort of organization. We need some sort of leadership style, of modeling. We need some sort of structure. But that structure was never intended to restrict, to kill, to slay, to stunt the life of God within us. Now, this isn't to say we don't need structures or traditions. Of course we do. We build on the past. We love so much of the past. I'm not just talking about our past. I'm talking about the past, the things over the ages that, that, that church and we've been built upon. Of course we need them. But we have to be diligent in ensuring that whatever they are and whatever they look like, that they are supporting that these structures are releasing, they're enhancing, and they're encouraging life. A little bit like in Act 6, things were happening, so we just needed to, to sort some things out in order to make more happen. Recent news articles have said this. Attitudes to churches have changed for the better since the start of the pandemic. New research reveals that British churches are winning praise for their response and that more than a third of non-Christians now agree that local churches are making a positive difference in their community, up from 20% three years ago. <laughs> this is a harvest time for us to be church. This is a harvest time for us to be church. This is a time where the love, the message, the gathering, the equipping comes together to reach people and to reach communities and beyond. And actually, for that purpose, for that aim, we need to structure ourselves. Every church needs some kind of organizing principle. But those organization principles are there not to stunt, not to inhibit, not to starve, not to kill, not to slay life, but they're there to enhance it, 
to release it, to support it, and to free the work and the Spirit of God amongst us. So finally, may we have the courage and the boldness to be attentive to what the Spirit of God is saying to us at this time. May we have the courage and boldness to be prepared to reimagine church like so many others are doing at this time. We know the values. We know the mission. How do we best get this done <laughs> together? At the same time, we build on the past, respecting all that God has done. We also build for the future in order to facilitate everything that God wants to do amongst us.